ان الحمد لله نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونعوذ بالله من شرور انفسنا وسيئات اعمالنا من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له واشهد ان لا اله الا الله وحده لا شريك له واشهد ان محمدا عبده ورسوله اما بعد continuing with the book that we have been studying then the chapter we have arrived at now is bab sifatil wudu the chapter regarding the description of how to make wudu this chapter is obviously very important because wudu is a prerequisite to the prayer and so if a person does not know how to perform wudu properly then this could impact other worships that he does based upon that wudu so it is important for every muslim to know how to make wudu properly when the scholars they talk about the obligation for every muslim to gain knowledge what does that mean exactly the obligation for every muslim to gain knowledge what does that mean exactly is every muslim out there going to have memorized all of these books and ahadith and bukhari and muslim and what is the meaning of every muslim must gain knowledge so as the scholars they mention the meaning of every muslim must gain knowledge it is that every muslim must gain a minimum quantity of knowledge not that every muslim must gain all of the knowledge we know that is not possible there are some muslims whom allah subhanahu wa ta'ala opens up their hearts and their minds and their abilities and they can learn and memorize and go to a great level the likes of the scholars the ulama and there are others who will not be at that level of ability and understanding and comprehension so when the scholars talk about the obligation talabul ilm faridah ala kulli muslim they mean by it that it is an obligation upon every muslim to gain a minimum quantity of knowledge what is the minimum quantity of knowledge that every muslim must gain where is that line drawn it is drawn at the area where you need that knowledge by necessity to be able to worship allah so for example how to do wudu is that within the bare minimum quantity of knowledge or above it within it no muslim can come along and say i don't know how to make wudu that's above me that's for the ulama 
You cannot say that. That is within the bare minimum quantity everybody must have. The prayer, how to pray. No Muslim can come along and say, that's above me, that's for the ulama. That is within the bare minimum quantity of knowledge that every Muslim must have. So when we talk about talabul ilm being a faridah ala kulli muslim, meaning a bare minimum quantity is an obligation upon every muslim and wudu is within that bare minimum quantity nobody can claim not to have knowledge of wudu how are you going to pray if you do not know how to make wudu so this chapter is very important bab sifatil wudu and inshallah ta'ala will spend a little bit longer on this chapter maybe two sessions at least on this chapter going through the various sections of the description of wudu. So to begin with then, anybody want to read? Go then. والنية شرط لجميع الأعمال من طهارة وغيرها لقوله صلى الله عليه وسلم إنما الأعمال بالنيات وإنما لكل امرئ ما نوى متفق عليه ثم يقول بسم الله ويغسل كفيه ثلاثا ثم يتمضمض ويستنشق ثلاثا بثلاث غرفات ثم يغسل وجهه ثلاثا ويديه إلى المرفقين ثلاثا ويمسح رأسه من مقدم رأسه إلى قفاه بيديه ثم يعيدهما إلى المحل الذي بدأ منه مرة واحدة ثم يدخل سباحتيه في صماخ صماخ أذنيه ويمسح بإبهاميه ظاهرهما ثم يغسل رجليه مع الكعبين ثلاثا هذا أكمل الوضوء الذي فعله النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم والفرض من ذلك أن يغسل مرة واحدة وأن يرتبها على ما ذكره الله تعالى في قوله يا أيها الذين آمنوا إذا قمتم إلى الصلاة فاغسلوا وجوهكم وأيديكم إلى المرافق وامسحوا برؤوسكم وأرجلكم إلى الكعبين سورة المائدة آية ثالثة وأن لا يفصل بينها بفاصل طويل عرفا بحيث يبنى بعضه على بعض وكذا كل كل ما اشترطت له الموالاة سباب صفة الوضوء a small introduction first then regarding wudu and then we'll get to the reading. Al-wudu bi-dhammil waw masdar tawadha'a wudu'an aw ismu masdar wa amma al-wadu bi-fathi al-waw fal-muradu bihi al-ma'u al-ladhi yutawadha'u bih. Firstly, just a small linguistic thing in the Arabic language. Wudu, when you mention it with a dhamma, wudu, 
then that is the actual action of performing wudu. The actual action of performing wudu, of doing your ablution, that is wudu. As a masdar from the verb tawadda'a, which means to make wudu. If you say it with a fatha though, wadu, wadu, then that is the actual water that you use to make the wudu with. Wudu is the actual wudu that you do. Wadu is the water that you use to make the wudu with. And this is like suhoor and sahur. In Ramadan, when you talk about the suhoor, is it suhoor or is it sahur? Same as this, suhoor is the action of eating the morning meal. Sahur is the actual food that you consume. So here, wudu is the action of making the ablution. Wadu is the water that is used. Wal-wudu fi shara' huwa isti'malu al-ma' biniyyatin makhsusah ala sifatin makhsusah fi a'adha'in makhsusah As a definition of wudu you can say Legislatively speaking, Islamically speaking, the definition of wudu is using water with a specific intention upon a specific method upon specific body parts. Wudu, Islamically speaking, is to use water with a specific intention, upon a specific way, upon specific body parts. To break down that definition, the first part of it, and this is important to remember, when you talk about definitions in fiqh, the purpose of a definition is to include everything you want to include and exclude everything you don't want to include. So at the beginning, the definition said it is the usage of water. The definition, the ta'arif here, إِسْتِعْمَالُ الْمَاءِ يُخْرِجُ غَيْرَ الْمَاءِ مِنَ الْمَائِعَاتِ It therefore excludes the usage of any other liquids or non-liquids. The beginning of the definition says wudu is the usage of water. Therefore, if you make an ablution without water, is that known as wudu? That's known as, we're going to get to it later, tayammum then. And if you make wudu with other liquids that are not uh, water, and they are not termed as water, then is that wudu? 
Not wudu, you have not used water. So the definition specifies the usage of water. And we've covered that in Babul Miyah. Then it says, Biniyah, Biniyah, or Biniyah Maksusa, with an intention. يُخْرِجُ بِذَلِكَ إِسْتِعْمَالُ الْمَاءِ مِنْ دُونِ نِيَّةِ Therefore it excludes the usage of water to wash those body parts without an intention. So if somebody goes in and has a shower and washes all of those body parts because he is having a shower or a bath, but he never made any intention for wudu. So when he finishes the shower, has he got wudu? No. Isti'malul ma? Yes. But niyyah? No. So then he hasn't got wudu. In the books of fiqh, they say, they give an example. If somebody goes swimming, in the sea, you go swimming in the sea everywhere. Isti'malul ma, a hundred ticks. Everywhere the water is there. But you went swimming. When you come out of the ocean, have you got wudu? No, you had no intention for wudu. So it is the usage of water with an intention. Isti'malul ma, biniyyah. فَيُخْرِجْ بِذَلِكَ إِسْتِعْمَالُ الْمَا مِنْ دُونِ نِيَّةِ كَالتَّبَرُّدْ وَالتَّنْظِيفِ So all other usages of water that are not for the intention of specifically making wudu, then you wouldn't have wudu. On a hot day a person decides to have a shower to cool down. Not the intention of wudu. A person uh, uses the shower to clean himself without the intention of wudu. So if you use water but do not actually make the intention of wudu, then you have not got wudu. So it is the usage of water with the intention that you wish to make the wudu. Then it said, the third part, عَلَى صِفَةٍ To use the water with an intention in a particular method. So now you could use water, you could have the niyyah that you want to make wudu. But then you use the water and you splash it all over your chest. And cool yourself or or, or you think you're making wudu by putting the water on your chest. Or putting it on your shoulders. Or putting it on your thighs. You have used water. You had the intention you wanted to make wudu. But have you done the sifa makhsusa? Have you used the water in a very specific way? Certain parts, the specific method is to wash. Other parts, the specific method is to wipe. There are specific methods of using the water in order for the wudu to be valid. So it's not just a case of having the intention, using the water, but then using it in some random way. That is not the method of making wudu. So it must be with an intention using that water in a particular way. And what they mean by the particular way is 
that you have to wash some body parts, you have to wipe on other body parts. If you now washed your head and wiped your arms and face and feet, wudu made? Not made because you have not used the water in the method that is required. And then the fourth part was ala awfi that it has to be used in a particular way upon particular and specific body parts. So if you use the water to wash other body parts, you don't wash the wudu body parts, then you haven't got wudu. So you can see how the definition narrows it down to explaining exactly what wudu is. It is the usage of water, istimalul ma, biniyah, with an intention, ala sifatin mahsusa, fi a'wa mahsusa. The usage of water with an intention upon a particular way, upon specific body parts. That is the definition of wudu. And when you study fiqh properly, that's how every single section begins. They give you the definition of something uh, linguistically in the Arabic language. And they give you the definition of something Islamically. Islamically, uh, the meaning of that particular thing. So now then, in the book, it mentioned, وَهُوَ أَنْ يَنْوِيَ رَفَعَ الْحَدَثِ that the description of the wudu it is that you make an intention to remove the hadath. And we touched upon that earlier in the beginning lessons. The hadath, what is the hadath? Minor impurity, what definition can we give of it? Something that prevents you from praying, from praying or establishing certain acts of worship. It is that which prevents you from establishing certain acts of worship. In English, basically, the minor impurities, breaking wind, or when you've gone to sleep in a deep sleep, these kinds of things put you into a state of hadath, in a state where you are now prevented from performing certain acts of worship. So in wudu, your intention is to remove that state of hadath. يَنْوِي رَفَعَ الْحَدَثِ أَوِ الْوُضُوْ لِلصَّلَاةِ وَنَحْوِهَا Or that you make the wudu for the prayer and other than that. Then he began explaining the conditions or all of the aspects of it and the intention it is a condition for all actions that you do, whether it be purification like wudu, 
or any other action, all of your actions, they require intention. And that is due to the statement of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, إِنَّمَا الْعَمَالُ بِالنِّيَّةِ وَإِنَّمَا لِكُلِّ مْرِئِ إِمَّا نَوَى That all of your actions are judged in accordance to your intentions. And every person shall have, they will be recompensed upon their intentions. That's why we mentioned before, Ibn al-Qayyim rahimahullah ta'ala, he said maybe two people, they come to the masjid and they pray. Both of them pray exactly the same. But one of them is in the skies, raised up, and the other one is down in the ground, even though they both prayed exactly the same. That is because one of them, his intention was sincere. He was mukhlis. But as for the other one, his intention was to show off, so the difference between them was their intention, even though the action, the, the suratul amal, both of them prayed exactly the same, identical action. But the intention differentiated between them. And uh, I don't know if it was here or somewhere else, the hadith we spoke about, about the three people who are thrown into the hellfire. The three people who are thrown into the hellfire at the beginning, one of them, Rajulun, he was out fighting in the path of Allah, and he was martyred as it appeared. So on Yawmul Qiyamah, it will be said to him, what did you do with the ni'am, the blessings that Allah gave you? He will say, قَاتَلْتُ فِيكَ that I fought for your sake until I was killed, martyred, and he was killed, fighting. But he was not fighting for the sake of Allah. It will be said to him, كَذَبْتْ إِنَّمَا قَاتَلْتَ لِيُقَالْ You were only fighting so that the people would say, look how brave and courageous you are. وَقَدْ And it was said about you, so then it's mentioned, يُسْحَبُ عَلَى وَجْهِهِ وَيُلْقَى فِي النَّارِ He is dragged upon his face and thrown in the fire. His action looked like a good action. Jihad fi sabilillah. But his intention was Doing it for people. لِيُقَالْ So he was thrown into the hellfire. And the other individual, تَعَلَّمَ الْعِلْمَ وَعَلَّمَهُ Al-Qur'ana, the one who used to recite the Qur'an and learn the knowledge and teach the people, he will say, I taught the people and I taught them Qur'an and I recited Qur'an and all of those things. And he used to do that, preoccupied with that knowledge and teaching and Qur'an and recitation. And then it will be said to him, كَذَبْتْ You only used to do that, لِيُقَالْ قَارِئْ so the people would say, MashaAllah, what a reciter he is. Beautiful tilawa. He was doing it for showing off again. So he will be thrown into the fire. And a third man, 
or not a specific man. These are categories of people. A third category, Rajulun wasa Allahu alayhi. A, a person whom Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave him a lot of wealth. Min jami'i asnaf al mal. All of the different types of wealth. So then it will be said to him, What did you do? Ma fa'alt? With these blessings, he will say, Ma taraktu min sabilin tuhibbu an yunfaqa fiha illa anfaqtu fiha. But then Allah will say to him, Kathabt. Even though he used to spend his money in charity, he used to give his money, give, 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 in charity everywhere. So on Yawm Al-Qiyamah, he will say, Allah, I gave the money in charity everywhere for your sake. But then Allah will say, Kathabt. You only did that. Liuqal Jawad. You were only giving charity so people would say about you that you are generous, you are kind. So these people, they fell into the hellfire, not because they were doing evil actions per se, their actions on the appearance of them were good actions, jihad, knowledge, Quran, recitation, charity, those actions on the surface are good actions that a believer should do. But it was their intentions behind the actions they were doing that led to their downfall. So the point being, that all of your actions are judged upon your intentions. And this also applies here to every act of worship. So with the wudu, if you go in and have a shower, wash everywhere, but you hadn't made the intention for it, you come out, you haven't got wudu. You go swimming in the sea, wet everywhere, come out, you hadn't made intention for wudu, no wudu. So an-niyyah, shartun, it is a condition. All of the actions, whether it is purification or other than it. So now then, here, Al-Shaykh Al-Fawzan, Hafizahullah Ta'ala, mentions a little bit more regarding the introduction to this chapter regarding wudu. He says, Wal-wudu shartun min shuruti suhati salah. لا تصح الصلاة إلا به مع الاستطاعة والقدرة. That wudu is a condition from the conditions of the validity of the prayer, and your prayer will not be valid without it. For the one who is capable of making it. Again, look at the way the definitions are given, because the one who is incapable of making it. then his prayer would still be valid. So the prayer is invalid for the one who is capable, مَعَ الْإِسْتِطَاعَةِ وَالْقُدْرَةِ And yet he doesn't make it, then his prayer لا تصح. قال الله سبحانه وتعالى يَا أَيُّهَا الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا إِذَا قُمْتُمْ إِلَى الصَّلَاةِ فَأَغْسِلُوا وُجُوهَكُمْ أَيْدِيَكُمْ الْآيَةِ In the Quran, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala told us that, O oh, you who believe, يَا أَيُّهَا الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا 
And one of the Salafi mentioned, when you hear an ayah begins with, Ya ayyuhalladheena amanu, then listen to it very carefully. One of the Salafi mentioned, I forgot who, one of the Salaf mentioned, when you hear an ayah, perhaps Ibn Abbas, when you hear an ayah beginning with, Ya ayyuhalladheena amanu, O you who believe, then listen to it very carefully. Because either it will be a command from the commands of Allah upon you, Amrun min awamirillah, or it will be a nahi, a prohibition from amongst the prohibitions of Allah upon you. So listen to it carefully. And here Allah gives us a command that when you stand for prayer, then wash and make the wudu as the ayah explains the description of wudu. وَقَالَ النَّبِيُّ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمْ لَا يَقْبَلُ اللَّهُ صَلَاةَ أَحَدِكُمْ إِذَا أَحْدَثَ حَتَّى يَتَوَضَّ That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will not accept the prayer of one of you if you fall into a state of hadath, like breaking wind, etc. You break your wudu as we say in English. If you fall into that state, then you cannot pray. Allah will not accept your prayer until hatta yatawadha, until he goes and once again makes wudu. So these indicate that the wudu is a condition. وَفِي حَدِيثٍ آخر هَذَا wudu لَا يَقْبَلُ اللَّهُ الصَّلَاةَ إِلَّا بِهِ we're going to get to the narration later where it mentions at the end of it, this is wudu. And Allah does not accept the prayer without it. That's why if you are, for example, praying in the jama'ah, the imam is leading the prayer, you're in the jama'ah, you're upon wudu and you're praying. In the middle of the prayer, your wudu breaks. You break wind, for example, and so your wudu breaks. And you're in the row. Then what are you supposed to do? Go make your wudu. What if you're on the first row and there's another ten rows behind you? I mean, are you going to try and work your way all the way through to get out from the door? So then if you don't do that, what are you going to do? So when your wudu breaks and you're in the jama'ah, you're saying you can't carry on praying. Absolutely. It is impermissible for a person to carry on praying if your wudu breaks. In that scenario, for example, you're in the jama'ah and your wudu breaks. It's impermissible for you to carry on praying. You have to try and make your way out. You have to leave the prayer. Leave the prayer and make your way out. Even if there are rows, you can squeeze through. You make your way out. You shouldn't even stay there. You shouldn't stay there. Because if you stay there, then there's another problem, which is the row is no longer connected. The row is broken. All these people are upon wudu. But you, غير متوضع, you are not upon wudu. That's like 
It's like you're absent. It's like a gap in the row. That's not anybody upon wudu praying in that space. And then the row carries on. So you're supposed to leave. And it's impermissible. Even some scholars have said a sin. If you just carry on. Because some people they may feel embarrassed. Shy that their wudu broke. And so they don't want to walk out in the middle of the prayer. So they carry on. But now some of the scholars have mentioned you are carrying on with an act of worship in a manner that you know Allah and His Messenger have prohibited. You are now doing an action that is prohibited. You know it is prohibited for you to pray and it is not acceptable for you to pray without wudu and you are still doing it. Then some scholars said you're even falling into the boundaries of sinning now. When you know that Allah does not accept the prayer without wudu, then why are you standing in the row praying without wudu? You know you're not supposed to be doing that. So there is no shyness in that. This is the religion. There are examples from the salaf, from the big major salaf, not somebody you won't have heard of, from the companions where on occasion their wudu broke in the prayer and so they departed. They departed. There's a narration which uh, mentions Umar ibn al-Khattab that on Jumu'ah, he was the khatib and he had to depart and make the wudu. So it is not a shyness in that affair. If it occurs, you implement the religion, you exit, you make your wudu, you come back and then you uh, pray again. Then, فَلَوْ صَلَّى مِنْ غَيْرِ وُضُوء لَمْ تَصِحَّ صَلَاتُهُ إِذَا كَانَ يَسْتَطِيعُ الْوُضُوء وَلِذَلِكَ اهْتَمَّ بِهِ أَهْلُ الْعِلْمِ وَعَقَدُوا لَهُ بَابًا فِي كُتُبِ الْحَدِيثِ وَفِي كُتُبِ الْفِقْهِ وَبَيَّنُوا تَفَاصِيلَهُ وَأَحْكَامَهُ وَصِفَتَهُ لِأَنَّهُ مُهِمٌ جِدًّا And this is why the scholars, they gave importance to the chapter of wudu. And they put specific chapters in their books, about wudu, as we see here in this book, a chapter specifically about wudu. And you find that in the books of hadith, in the books of fiqh, babul wudu, and the masail al-muta'alliqah bil wudu, the different topics connected to wudu. Wasumia wudu'an min al-wada'ah. And it is known as wudu, the word itself and the meaning of the word itself from something that is radiant. Something that is radiant. And that is al-husn al-wada'ah wa hiya al-husn. لِأَنَّ فِي الْوُضُوءِ وَضَاءَةً لِلْمُسْلِمِ وَحُسْنًا وَنَظَافَةً so in al-wudu, there is this radiance, this cleanliness and freshness that comes to a Muslim when he makes the wudu, and that's the linguistic uh, derivation of it. Kama jaa fi al-hadith an al-Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam annahu qal إِنَّ أُمَّتِي يُدْعَوْنَ يَوْمَ الْقِيَامَةِ غُرًّا مُحَجَّلِينَ مِنْ آثَارِ الْوُضُوءِ 
Al-Bukhari and Muslim, that my ummah will come on the day of judgment, or they'll be called on the day of judgment, and they will be, two descriptions are given of them, one is the Ghurran Muhajjaleen, Ghurran meaning Al-Bayad fil Wajh, that they will be enlightened in their faces, whitened in their faces. وَمُحَجَّلْ الَّذِي فِي أَطْرَافِهِ بَيَاضٍ The Muhajjal is the one who has the whiteness on the edges of his limbs. And that is in reference to the wudu. الْمَعْنَى أَنَّهُ يَظْهَرُ عَلَيْهِمْ النُّورِ فِي وُجُوهِهِمْ وَفِي أَطْرَافِهِمْ The meaning is that the Ummah, there will be light emanating from their faces and their extremities, their body parts, their hands, their arms, their feet, where they used to make wudu, that this will be enlightened on that day. يعني النور يعني في أيديهم وأرجلهم من آثار الوضوء وهي علامة يعرفون بها يوم القيامة and that is a sign the whiteness from their body parts the enlightenment and uh, nur the light from those body parts where they used to make wudu they will be known on the day of judgment وَأَيْضًا الْوُضُوءُ جَاءَ فِي الْأَحَدِيثِ أَنَّهُ يَحُطُّ الْخَطَايَا And the wudu, as it has been mentioned in some narrations, it causes your sins to drop out. When you make the wudu, then it crushes or removes your sins. وَكُلَّمَا غَسَلَ الْمُسْلِمُ عَضْوًا خَرَجَتْ خَطَايَا ذَلِكَ الْعَضُ مَعَ الْمَاءِ أَوْ مَعَ آخِرْ قَطْرَ الْمَاءِ So when a person makes wudu, then the sins of that individual from those body parts, they exit with the water flowing off those body parts. And in some narrations with the final drops, that fall from those body parts upon making the wudu, the sins they exit from that individual. فَهُوَ عِبَادَهُ عَظِيمَةُ So there is no doubt this wudu is a tremendous act of worship. وَشَرْطٌ مِّن شُرُوطِ صُحَّةِ الصَّلَةِ And it is a condition from the conditions for the validity of the prayer. وَالْوُضُوْ لَهُ سُنَنْ وَلَهُ فُرُوضٌ وَلَهُ وَاجِبَاتٌ وَسَيَأْتِي بَيَانُ ذَلِكَ إِنْ شَاءَ اللَّهِ And the wudu has sunnah actions involved with it. It has uh, obligatory actions involved with it. It has uh, others that are less so in obligation. Various types of levels of actions involved in the wudu. Some of them absolutely required. Without them the wudu would be false or, or invalid. Other actions that are from the perfection of it. So there are different levels of the actions required along with the wudu. Before we get to the actual description, if we mention a couple of those. One of those is in the hadith of Abu Hurairah, radiyallahu anhu, where the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, لَوْ لَا أَنْ أَشُقْ 
The Prophet said, That was it not for the fact that I fear burdening my ummah, then I would have commanded them to use the siwak every time making the wudu. Was it not for the fact that I would burden my ummah, then I would have commanded them to use the siwak every time when you make the wudu. This narration highlights that it is a sunnah, that a person when he makes wudu, he uses the siwak. When you get to the madmada, some scholars say, at that point in the wudu, when you get to the madmada, you can use it. And others dimension prior to it or after it, but the point being along with the wudu, to use the siwak, then that is a sunnah, from the sunnah actions of the wudu. And we know that there are at least five different times, generally outside of the wudu as well, when it is sunnah to use the siwak. So what are those five times? One, we've just mentioned now, it is sunnah to use it when making wudu. Number two, the prayer. There's another narration, عِنْدَ كُلِّ صُلَاةِ To use it with every prayer, meaning prior to the prayer. When you stand, you're lining up just before the prayer to use the siwak before you enter into the prayer. That is another sunnah. فَالْمَوْضِعُ الثَّانِي عِنْدَ الصَّلَاةِ فَإِنَّهُ يُسْتَحَبُّ لَهُ أَنْ يَتَسَوَّكَ مِنْ أَجْلِ أَنْ يَدْخُلَ الصَّلَاةِ بِرَائِحَ طَيِّبَةِ So it is a sunnah that you use the siwak before starting the prayer so that you enter into the prayer with a good fragrance from your mouth. الموضع الثاني الثالث The third time when it is sunnah to use the siwak also عند الانتباه من النوم when a person awakens from sleeping, when a person awakens from sleeping, then it is sunnah to use the siwak as well. لِأَنَّ الْإِنسَانِ عِنْدَمَا يَنْتَبِهُ مِنَ النَّوْمِ تَكُونُ رَائِحَةْ فَمِهِ غَيْرُ طَيِّبَةِ وَكَانَ النَّبِيُّ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمْ إِذَا اسْتَيْقَضَ مِنَ النَّوْمِ so when a person awakens from sleeping, it is sunnah to use the siwak again. And it's mentioned that the Prophet wasallam, when he would wake up, then he would begin with the siwak. He would start and he would do that siwak. The fourth time when it is also sunnah to use the siwak, عِنْدَ قِرَاءَةِ الْقُرْآنِ When you want to recite the Qur'an, it is sunnah that you use the siwak before starting the recitation of the Qur'an. عِنْدَمَا يُرِيدُ قِرَاءَةَ الْقُرْآنِ فَإِنَّهُ يُسْتَحَبُّ لَهُ أَنْ يَتَسَوَّكَ مِنْ أَجْلِ أَنْ يَطِيبَ رَائِحَةُ فَمِهِ لِكَلَامِ اللَّهِ عَزَّ وَجَلْ وَلِحُضُورِ الْمَلَائِكَةِ 
لأن الملائكة تحضر عند تلاوة القرآن والملائكة تتأذى مما يتأذى منه الإنسان So when a person is going to recite the Quran it is sunnah to use the siwak before starting the recitation of the speech of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and also the angels they listen to that and attend to the recitation of the Quran and they are displeased or harmed by that which mankind is so if somebody their breath was bad then we would be harmed and it would not be something pleasing to us to smell the bad smell of another person's mouth and likewise it is not pleasing and suitable for the angels to smell that smell والموضع الخامس and the fifth time what is the fifth time الموضع الخامس the fifth time is general after eating any any time when you realize that the smell of your mouth is not good, then it is sunnah for you to go and use the siwak. الْمَوْضِعُ الْخَامِسِ عِنْدَ تَغَيُّرْ رَائِحَةِ الْفَمِ إِذَا أَحَسَّ الْإِنسَانُ مِنْ فَمِهِ تَغَيُّرًا فَإِنَّهُ يُسْتَحَبُّ لَهُ يَسْتَاكْ لِكَيْ يَزِيلْ هَذَا التَّغَيُّرْ So, when a person senses that his uh, a smell or fragrance, something maybe he ate before has changed, then it is sunnah for him to go and do the usage of the siwak. So that is one of the sunnah actions related to uh, wudu. Then we will start with the actual description here. The actual description of the wudu then begins... Uh, and he mentions here, ثُمَّ يَقُولُ بِسْمِ اللَّهِ That will come to in a little more detail later on, regarding saying the basmalah at the start of the wudu, that topic will come to it slightly later. And then, وَيَغْسِلُ كَفَّيْهِ ثَلَاثًا Then he washes his hands three times, ثُمَّ يَتَمَضْمَضُ وَيَسْتَنْشِقُ ثَلَاثًا بِثَلَاثِ غُرَفَاتٍ ثُمَّ يَغْسِلُ وَجْهَهُ ثَلَاثًا وَيَدَيْهِ إِلَى الْمِرْفَقَيْنِ ثَلَاثًا وَيَمْسَحُ رَأْسَهُ مِنْ مُقَدَّمِ رَأْسِهِ إِلَى قَفَاهُ بِيَدَيْهِ ثُمَّ يُعِيدُهُمَا إِلَى الْمَحَلِّ الَّذِي بَدَأَ مِنْهُ مَرَّةً وَاحِدًا ثُمَّ يُدْخِلُ سَبَّاحَتَيْهِ فِي سِمَاخَيْ أُذُنَيْهِ وَيَمْسَحُ بِإِبْهَامَيْهِ ظَاهِرَهُمَا ثُمَّ يَغْسِلُ رِجْلَيْهِ مَعَ الْكَعْبَيْنِ ثَلَاثًا ثَلَاثًا هذا أكمل الوضوء الذي فعله النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم. In the description then, he says initially you say Bismillah. And we'll come to the details of that later. You say Bismillah at the start. Then you wash your hands three times. Then you do the madhmada, the water into the mouth, gargling and spitting out. And you do the istinshaq, sucking up the water into the nose and blowing it out. Three times, all of that three times. And then that is done with three handfuls. We'll get to those details as well later. The three handfuls, because there are some opinions that when you do the istinshaq and you do the madmada istinshaq, 
that you do it with just three handfuls. The first handful into the mouth and into the nose. Second handful into the mouth, into the nose. Third handful into the mouth, into the nose. Three handfuls, you're done. But then there are some opinions about first handful into the mouth, then another handful into the nose, then the next handful into the mouth, and then another into the So altogether it's six, six in that case. So we'll come to that uh, uh, slightly later as well. All of these, we'll come to them one by one in detail inshallah. ثُمَّ يَغْسِلُ وَجْهَهُ ثَلَاثًا Then he washes his face three times. وَيَدَيْهِ إِلَى الْمِرْفَقَيْنِ ثَلَاثًا And his arms, hands up to his elbows three times. Then he wipes his head. Starts at the front of the head. إِلَى قَفَاهُ To the nape of the neck. To the, the neck at the back of your head. With his hands. ثُمَّ يُعِيدُهُمَا إِلَى الْمَحَلِّ الَّذِي بَدَأَ مِنْهُ then he returns the hands back to the place where he started from marra wahida. That is only once. Then, يُدْخِلْ سَبَّاحَتَيْهِ فِي سَمَاخَيْ أُذُنَيْهِ The index fingers are inserted into the ears. And then, يَمْسَحُ بِإِبْهَامَيْهِ ظَاهِرَهُمَا From the outside of the ears with your thumbs, the inside of the ears with your uh, uh, index fingers. And then, ثُمَّ يَغْسِلُ رِجْلَيْهِ مَعَ الْكَعْبَيْنِ ثَلَاثًا ثَلَاثًا Then he washes his feet up to the ankles three times, three times. In order to understand all of that description, then we will do it from the famous hadith of Humran Mawla Uthman. عَنْ Humran Mawla Uthman رضي الله عنه أَنَّ عُثْمَانِ دَعَى بِوَاضُوءٍ it mentions in this hadith of Humran, the Mawla, Mawla yani al-Atiq, kana mamlukan li-Uthman, radiyallahu anhu, thumma a'atakahu, a freed slave. So Humran, the freed slave of Uthman ibn Affan, he narrates that Uthman, radiyallahu anhu, requested a wadu, what did he request? Some water that he was going to use for wudu. He requested some water. So when that water was brought to him, He washed his hands three times. So after initially washing his hands three times, the first thing after the basmala is therefore the washing of the hands. What is the hukum of that? That is a sunnah. Ghaslul yadain thalathan. Washing the hands three times. Hada min sunanil wudu. That is a sunnah at the beginning of the wudu. غَسْلُ الْكَفَّيْنِ ثَلَاثًا قَبْلَ الْوُضُوءِ وَهَذَا فِي حَقِّ غَيْرِ الْمُسْتَيْقِضِ مِنَ النَّوْمِ فَهَذَا وَاجِبٌ عَلَيْهِ أَنْ يَغْسِلَ كَفَّيْهِ ثَلَاثًا قَبْلَ الْوُضُوءِ So when you start to make wudu, you say the basmillah, 
And the first thing you do is wash your hands three times. That is a sunnah. Unless you have just woken up from sleeping, then in that case, washing the hands three times at the start isn't just a sunnah. It is now a requirement. It is now a requirement because of the hadith. إِذَا اسْتَيْقَضَ أَحَدُكُمْ مِنْ نَوْمِهِ فَلَا يَغْمِسْ يَدَهُ فِي الْإِنَاءِ حَتَّى يَغْسِلَهَا ثَلَاثًا فَإِنَّ أَحَدَكُمْ لَا يَدْرِي أَيْنَ بَاتَتْ يَدُهُ أخرجه البخاري ومسلم That when one of you wakes up from his sleep, do not immerse, do not put your hand into the bowl of water of course these days most people running tap it's a, a different scenario but in the the uh, bowl of water having some stagnant water in a bowl where they would make the wudu from the hadith says do not dip your hands into that bowl if you've just woken up from sleeping until you wash your hands three times outside of the bowl first then after that, you can dip your hands in. And the reason mentioned in the hadith, فَإِنَّ أَحَدَكُمْ لَا يَدْرِي أَيْنَ بَاتَتْ يَدُهُ Because you do not know where your hand was during the night. You do not know where your hand was during the night. Perhaps your hand fell upon your private areas as you slept and tossed and turned. And so in the morning, you do not wish to directly dip your hands into the water and straight onto your face and other body parts. Perhaps your hand was in contact with uh, the private areas or, or affairs of that nature during the night and you were unaware. So in the morning, it is the sunnah or when you wake up, it is required that a person washes the hand separately three times before dipping his hands into the water and then Washing the rest of his body. So now after you've washed your hands three times. The next items that follow. The first things that you do after that are. After you wash your hands. What do you do next? The mouth and the nose. So mother mother is talking about the mouth. Istanshaqa and istanthara that is talking about the nose. So al-madhmadah hiya idkhalu al-ma' ila al-fam wa khadakhadatuhu fihi thumma majjuhu yani lafzuhu kharij al-fam. The madhmadah is that you insert water into the mouth and then gargle it around. Swirl it around. Swirl it around. Gargle it in your mouth. That water. Then spit it out. That is the action of mother mother. Wal istinshaq. Jazbul ma' Binafas ila dakhil al-anf. The istinshaq. Is to suck up the water into your nose, to suck it up with your breath, to suck the water up 
to the top of your nose. That's the method of doing the istinshaq. It is not istinshaq if you get the water and basically just throw it there. It just goes to the tip of your nose, just barely goes into the tip of your nose and out. That isn't istinshaq. Istinshaq is that you actually suck up the water into your nose. And then istin, na'am, wal istinshaq yakunu bil yad al yumna. And sucking up this water, it is from your right hand. You put the water in your right hand and suck it up. Wal istinthar, it is ikhrajuhu minhu. Hada yusamma al istinthar. Then blowing it out, that is known as istinthar. So there is the act of sucking up the water. And then the act of blowing it all out. And the act of blowing it out is done with your left hand. Taking the water into your mouth and into your nose. Sucking it up is with your right hand. Blowing it out then and cleaning out the nose is with your left hand. Then after that, ثُمَّ غَسَلَ وَجْهَهُ ثَلَاثًا then, after having done that, he washed his face three times. عَمَلًا بِقَوْلِهِ تَعَالَى فَاغْسِلُوا وُجُوهَكُمْ In accordance to or acting upon the statement of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and wash your faces. وَلَكِنْ الْآيَةِ لَمْ تَذْكُرْ المضمضه والاستنشاق the ayah does not say anything about the mazmaza the water in the mouth neither does it say anything about the istinshaq taking the water into the nose the ayah just says wash your face and that's why you do have some opinions when you go into the bigger books of fiqh. There are opinions of some scholars who say that the madhmada and the istinshaq are only a sunnah. And that your wudu would still be valid as long as you wash the face. And their evidence is that the ayah which is the definitive evidence on the description of the wudu of what to wash, doesn't mention anything about the nose and the mouth specifically. So there are some scholars who have the opinion, it is not obligatory. But as we'll come to see later on, the correct opinion, the rajih, is that the mouth and the nose, they are min al-wajh. They are from the face, counted within the face, and they have to be done. And that is also because the Prophet ﷺ, when he made wudu, he would always wash the mouth and the nose. فالحديث هذا وأمثاله بيّن أن المضمضة والاستنشاق داخلان في غسل الوجه. فلو غسل وجهه ولم يتمضمض. وَلَبْ يَسْتَنْشِقْ لَمْ يَصِحَّ وُضُوءُ 
لأنه لم يستكمل غسل وجهه If a person did not wash his mouth and nose like we've just said there's an opinion of some scholars who will say that your wudu is still valid but the stronger opinion and the correct opinion appears to be the rajih appears to be that the mouth and the nose are part of the face included within the face and they must be washed the madmada the istinshaq must be done and that if you don't do it, your wudu would be invalid. لا تصح أو لا يصح الوضوء. And that is because they say the ahadith, the sunnah, it clarifies what is in the Quran. And this is well known that the sunnah of the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم تبين وتفصل وتوضح it clarifies and gives more details of what was mentioned in the Quran. Sometimes you can have something in the Quran that is عام, but then the Sunnah comes along and gives you something khas regarding it. And there could be something in the Quran that is mujmal, mentioned in a very broad and open kind of way, general way. But then the Sunnah comes and gives you the tafsil the details of exactly how. And so that is known. And here, it's an example of that. Allah has mentioned generally in the Quran, the method of wudu, the body parts that are to be washed. So the general method and description is there. The details and the specifics of all of that, they are then in the sunnah. The sunnah then clarifies the specifics. And you have to have that. It is both of them, Al-Quran was Sunnah. Both of them, Al-Wahyan, two revelations. You cannot just say Al-Quran and forget the Sunnah. That is from the people of Bid'ah. Ahlul Bid'ah, they used to say that. In that famous narration of Al-Hasan al-Basri, when he mentions from Imran ibn Hussein, he was giving a lecture, giving a, a, a lecture, muhadara dars, and he was talking and giving some evidences from the Qur'an and quoting some ahadith. A person in the audience, he said to him, he said to him, only, he said, حَدِّثْنَا بِالْقُرْآنِ فَقَطْ He said to him, give us the lecture, talk to us only with evidences from the Qur'an. Leave the sunnah. Because they were saying the sunnah, the hadith, hal huwa sahih, wallah da'if, is it authentic, is it weak, is it this, we don't, just talk to us with the Qur'an, Qur'an, all of it, absolutely, no doubt. But the hadith, maybe this one is authentic, maybe this one is weak, sahih, hasan, da'if, we don't know, mawdu'ah. So they said, hadithna bil Qur'an. Only give us lectures, and give us evidences from the Qur'an. Forget the hadith. We don't know. Authentic, not authentic. We don't know. But when the man said that to him, what did Imran ibn Hussein say to him? He said to him, Udunu. First thing he said to him, come here. So when that man came, Fadana, he said to him, Ara'ayta. 
لو وكلت أنت وأصحابك إلى القرآن. Do you see that if you and your companions, meaning the people upon your line of thought, the thought that says Quran only, forget the Sunnah, we don't know what's what. People upon your line of thought, if you were all left to the Quran only, لو وكلت إلى القرآن فقط. You were only with the Quran, no Sunnah, you're not going to use the Sunnah. Then how would you know, how would you know that Salatul Dhuhr is Arba'a Raka'at? Ayah in the Quran tells you Dhuhr is Arba'a Raka'at, or Asr is Arba'a Raka'at, or Al Maghrib, Thalatha Raka'at, Tukra Fithnatain. How would you know? Does the Quran tell you that Dhuhr is four Raka'at anywhere in the Quran? Anywhere in the Quran that Asr is four Raka'at. Anywhere in the Quran that Maghrib is three Raka'at and you recite loud in the first two and quiet in the third. These details anywhere in the Quran? No. Then he said to him again, If you and your people of your thinking were left to the Quran only, then how would you know that the tawaf is sab'an. How would you know when you do umrah, when you do hajj, the tawaf is seven times, sab'at ashwat. كيف تعرف هذا? How would you know this? Is there an ayah in the Quran that tells you tawaf is sab'at ashwat? Seven times? No. So how do we know when you do tawaf that it's seven times? Because it's in the Sunnah in the hadith. So he clarified to him that you cannot tell me only stick to the Quran and forget the hadith. The hadith is revelation wahi along with the Quran. In the narration of Atiyah ibn Hassan, he said, كان جبريل ينزل على النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم بالسنة كما ينزل عليه بالقرآن. That Jibreel alayhi salam used to descend upon the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam with the sunnah as he used to descend upon him with the Qur'an. And that's why all of those narrations, they highlight the importance of the sunnah. تَرَكْتُ فِيكُمْ شَيْئَيْنِ إِن تَمَسَّكْتُمْ بِهِ مَا لَن تَظِلُّوا بَعْدِي كِتَابَ اللَّهِ وَسُنَّتِي That I've left two things behind. As long as you cling on to them after me, you will not go astray. The book of Allah and the Sunnah. And in the famous hadith, Al-Irbad ibn Sariyah, Alaykum, Bi-Sunnati wa Sunnati al-Khulafai al-Rashidin al-Mahdiyin al-Mib'adi. Upon you is to cling to my Sunnah. And the, uh, in the Quran, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala informed us, وَمَا آتَاكُمُ الرَّسُولُ فَخُذُوهُ that which the Prophet ﷺ comes to you with, then you take that. And in the Quran, وَمَا يَنْطِقُ عَنِ الْهَوَىٰ إِنْ هُوَ إِلَّا وَحْيٌ يُوحَىٰ The Prophet ﷺ does not speak from his desires. That is revelation that has come to him. So the sunnah, it goes alongside the Quran. So here, the scholars, they said, the Quran doesn't mention مَضْمَضَىٰ istinshaq. But the sunnah clearly does. 
And the description of the wudu of the messenger shows us the implementation of the madmada and the istinshaq. And therefore it is part of the washing of the face because the messenger kana yudawimu ala dhalika. He always made wudu with the madmada and istinshaq. And so the rajih is clearly that you must wash the mouth and the nose within the overall washing of the face. فالآيه لم تذكر المضمضة والاستنشاق لكن الحديث الحديث هذا وأمثاله بين أن المضمضة والاستنشاق داخلان في غسل الوجه فلو غسل وجهه ولم يتمضمض ولم يستنشق لم يصح وضوءه لأنه لم يستكمل غسل وجهه so upon this opinion now the shaykh says if you didn't do that knowing that the sunnah clarifies it is a part of washing the face then your wudu would be invalid. What time is Adhan? 56. 56. In that case we'll stop on that point and we'll continue with the next point the next time inshallah somebody asking if you were to make wudu in the same bowl as you release the mucus from your nose would it nullify the prayer not necessarily because that goes back to the same rulings of water that mucus now goes into the water has it Change the smell, the color, etc. The same rulings as before. And that mucus wouldn't necessarily do that. So the overall bowl would still be considered as usable water. Uh, and so it wouldn't invalidate the prayer, inshallah ta'ala. But obviously, in accordance to the narration that you've just seen, when somebody wakes up, you don't put your hands into it, then this is exactly the same kind of thing. If you have a bowl of water, a bowl of water, and you're going to make wudu from it, and you know after doing the madmada and the istinshak, you're going to carry on using that water to wash your face and your arms and everything else, you're not going to blow your mucus into it. Sometimes the questions are scenarios that uh, Allahu alam who would fall into them. If you know you have a bowl of water, why would you blow your nose into it knowing that you're then going to have to use that water to put it on your arms and on your head and everywhere else? Why would you do that? But uh, inshallah ta'ala, if, some, if something fell into that, it wouldn't be a nullifier. The water is still water. Uh, it wouldn't be a, an invalidator of the prayer. No, no, uh, the, the intention of wudu, it is a generic intention that you are doing the act of worship of making the wudu. These other points are additional. They are additional. The implementation of the hadith of being upon wudu all the time 
Like it's a sunnah to make wudu for every prayer, even if you're still on wudu from the last prayer. So now you don't even need to make wudu, but you're going to make intention to make wudu anyway. So your intention for wudu is for the action of making the wudu as an action of worship. All of these other virtues are additional on top. Which book for that that you were quoting from? It's a good question. Today? Uh, yes. The explanation of Sheikh Khazan. That's what we're using as the side for the extra points. In one of Sheikh Mbaz's books, he mentioned that when you do the Maghara, you exaggerate it. What does that mean? Goggling. Properly swirling it through your mouth. And that's what the hadith says to do that. Ma lam takun sa'iman. That you properly gargle it and swirl it around in your mouth unless you are fasting. fasting. Then you don't because of the fear of swallowing something. So you so properly swirl it around. Like really all the way down. And Allah <laughs> alam, you have to do it to that level right down to the throat. Yeah. But in the mouth area to properly swirl the water around within the mouth area, that, that's what's required. There's another question here, if you use a siwak in Ramadan or just before the prayer and it still has the saliva on it from the previous use, then is it considered eating and drinking if you swallow it after reusing it? That is not considered eating or drinking. The usage of the siwak, obviously once you use it, 
uh, at the end of your usage, it's moist, it's wet from being in there in your mouth and the saliva, etc. It comes out moist and wet. And then if you use it again a short time afterwards and it's still moist and wet from the previous usage, that isn't considered eating or drinking. The siwak is permissible throughout the day when fasting, that would not be considered as eating or drinking. Uh, a sunnah for using siwak when you return home. There is something mentioned about that when the messenger used to come back that he would uh, use the siwak. But I don't remember the hadith. So if anybody can find that and bring it to us next time, then we can have a look at that and quote it, insha'Allah. Hmm. Uh, so Yeah, we're, we're going to get to Somebody asked about that last time as well. Well, uh, when we get to the topic of Bismillah in detail, because there are differences of opinion, is it obligatory to say it? And if you forget to say it, is your wudu invalid? Or is it only sunnah to say it? So it's still valid if you don't say it. And then based upon that, you're going to end up with the fatawa of whether you can say it in the bathroom or not. So we'll come to that, inshallah. We're going to do at least one, looks like probably two more sessions on the wudu section yet. Uh, with uh, taking it up with two hands? Possibly there may be something as well, but uh, I don't remember from the top of my head. But we'll come, we'll uh, do a bit more on this. Uh, right now, what we've done so far is still an overview of wudu. We're going to come back around again to all of the specific areas with the differences in the fiqh on all of the areas yet. Today, so far, we're just doing an overview of wudu generally still. Then afterwards, the, the second and the third session, it will be more details and all of the specifics on each part and the different fatawa, the different uh, positions, etc. Last question. Last week you mentioned about you know, blood, the difference of opinion and uh, you know, about the fans in the black of field that they were pl- praying with the whilst they were at the block on them. Does the same apply for other discharge or combat such as puzzle or for example if it comes out? Yeah, I, the, the opinion is the same according to some scholars that anything which exits from the body from the sabi lane then that is the problem and anything that exits elsewhere is not a problem that's an opinion but uh, you do get the differences even with the blood even with the blood there is a difference uh, but most of them they say what is from the sabi lane beyond the sabi lane it's not considered as an invalidator no, anytime you're talking about other affairs, anytime you can be, battlefield or outside of the battlefield. Alright, well, I have to conclude that it's time for the prayer.